Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Tim, what's going on? Well, you know, we just finished the uh, holiday season and getting back to work. Uh, this is usually a busy week for us because we try to get as much done as possible right before year end, um, before December 31st, and then it becomes too late to do some of the tax planning. So it's a busy week for us, but we're focused on the clients and we love it. Yeah, well, this this is something that you've covered in multiple podcasts. I mean, you, you, are, you are past number 100 already. And year-end planning is something that you've touched on in multiple podcasts. So this is crunch time. It's a little little late for anybody who wants to do any planning now, I'm assuming. Well, actually, this is where we get a lot of calls because everyone, <laughs> not everyone, a lot of people, you know, they have time, they're at home, they're thinking about stuff, and they're like, hey, did I oh, crud. make the 529 <laughs> contributions or did I do my year-end gifting? So actually, we, we get a pretty busy, fair amount of calls this week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I bet there's a lot of people that are just like quick panic. Oh shoot! I yes. forgot to do this. Let me call Tim. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, they got fact, your I got a couple of uh, calls and emails on Christmas, and I'm like, "Hey, you realize it's Christmas?" <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Checking email on Christmas? That's all I'm going <laughs> well, to say. That's, yeah, that's my problem too. Yes, you're right. Good point. <laughs> all right. Well, I know that this is a you're going to be doing a two parter because there's a lot of information to to pass to the audience, and it's all based off of a spending bill, correct? That was passed just just recently. Yeah. So while everyone was busy with the holidays and family and hopefully celebrating and enjoying, just passed a $1.7 trillion, they call it an omnibus. I'm not sure what that means, but it's basically a budget bill for the next year. Mm -hmm. And it's about 4,000 plus pages, and I'm not going to claim that I read it. <laughs> but what I have seen is that part of it is something that they added in called the Secure Act 2.0. Um, so what I thought I'd do is go through some of the key features of this SECURE Act. And part one, because there's a lot of it in there, I wanted to focus on how it impacts our business owners who are looking to attract and keep and retain their key people by hoping, designing their compensation and making sure their compensation structure is competitive, providing long-term benefits to their key people. So I thought I'd cover in this part one, the kind of law changes that impact business owners and, and how they can reward their people. And then we would make this a, make a part two. The next episode would be covering how it impacts our clients who are planning for their own freedom point when they can retire independently. Okay. So business owners for this first episode and then individuals and families for the second. That's correct. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get started with part one. So Eric, you probably are thinking, <clears throat> I didn't realize there was a Secure Act 1, you know, it's not like a, a sequel. You might have watched a couple of sequels, Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2. Yeah. But actually, um, in 2019, they passed something called the Secure Act, uh, the Congress did. And it was actually almost unanimous in terms of the passage of the that bill. But the goal was really to expand access to retirement plans for more workers. Because around the, if you look at the statistics about in the United States, there's just a large percentage of employees who are just either not covered 
or maybe they're covered by employee uh, retirement plans, but they're not participating. So in 2019, they created this SECURE Act in order to encourage employers to you know, expand coverage. And so the SECURE Act 2.0 is really an attempt to kind of enhance some of the features to, to further encourage participation and also to correct some things that they found just weren't working very well. But that's really what it is and why it is initially. Okay. All right. And I remember, I, I'm pretty sure that you covered the original SECURE Act, at least touched on it in one of your podcasts before, because I remember you and I talking about it. Yeah, I did. In fact, it's just so funny. Yes, I've done a hundred of these podcasts. I guess that means it's been going on for a couple of years and we probably, yes, we did do one in 2019 to cover it. So here yeah. we are again, right? All right. Well, so, changes so have cap- to be, yeah, I mean, we, we have to talk about changes, right? I mean, because they sneak this stuff up on us sometimes, Tim. Well, but just be honest. I mean, you, you said 4,000 pages. Who's going to read that? No, <laughs> Who's going to Exactly. And oftentimes they joke, and but it's the truth. I think a lot of the people voting on it don't read it either. I have no doubt. I mean, come on. We, we were in class with those people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So fortunately, um, my industry, the CFP profession, the, the AICPA, the CPA Society, a lot of the resources we follow do provide us with a lot of guidance. So yeah. as best we can, I mean, we want to get this information out in case there's things we want to do this year, but also as we're creating kind of advanced planning priorities for our clients for 2023. Okay. Well, you got a bunch of points you want to go through, so let's get started. Sure. So one thing I always want to stress is that when they pass a law, they then pass the responsibility to the IRS for providing what they call guidance. So just to give you an example, when they changed the inherited IRA beneficiary rules years ago, a couple of years ago, the IRS just came out about six months ago with enhanced, they call it enhanced guidance. So <laughs> they don't always get to it quickly. Um, yeah. So what I, I mentioned this because what I want to do is cover generally what the, the law says and then make sure that people know that they need to, you know, wait for the guidance. And, and we, one way to do it is if you want to just continue to follow us or, or continue to track us on our websites or through our social media, we will provide that um, IRS guidance when it's released. Perfect. So a couple of things. Number one, one of the areas that they um, changed was they expanded what they called automatic enrollment. So Eric, I don't know if you've participated in 401k plans, but you know, oftentimes when you start as an employee, uh, there's all kinds of information they give you. You have to sign up for health insurance, other benefits, things like that. And typically the path of, of least resistance is what a lot of people will take. And if you have to, what they have, what they found was that if you require employees to enroll by themselves in in 401k plans, retirement plans, oftentimes you won't get a lot of participation just because people are busy. It's not a priority. There's other things they're worried about. So back in 2006, they pension, they called it the Pension Pension Protection Act, created something called auto enrollment. And it just says that companies can elect to make automatically enroll you. The, the path of least resistance becomes the default, which is you're in the plan. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to be in the plan, you need to actually opt out. And that did actually boost participation. They, they statistically shows that it really did help. But one of the things they wanted to do was make a changes in, in that you were limited to a 3%. I mean, the most you could do an auto enroll if you're an employee and you wanted to auto enroll somebody is set it so that they're contributing 3%. And what they did was they expanded under this new rule to basically say you can 
you can bump it up and, and, and now it's required. Uh, you have to autom- every 401k plan has to require it to do it. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that's a good and bad thing, right? Yeah. Well, I, it, it's good in the sense that some companies were not doing it. We're not offering the auto enroll. We, we manage a number of retirement plans where the employer just said they didn't want to force that on their people. They didn't want to be like a big brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're making it, they have to do it. And so it's just one of those things that'll be required. Got it. Well, my concern is, is I remember the first time I ever enrolled in, in a 401k plan and it was just a bunch of us that were working out in the warehouse, were brought into a conference room and there was some guy there telling us, okay, we got this new 401k plan. Look, you're 22 years old. So you pick the most aggressive and this is the one you, you check this box. There was no real good education with this. There was no like, hey, what are my options kind of thing. It was just like, here, here's what you do. Sign this, check this box, and you're good to go. My concern is if somebody's just auto-enrolling, they have no idea what they've picked, right? I mean, that's uh, as far as I know. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. <clears throat> In the past, one of the things that the 401k world, the retirement plan world has tweaked a little bit is when you auto-enrolled, you would default to like a money market account or something just mm. to make sure that you're not taking more risk than you wanted to. And then through the, through different rules and law changes or regulatory changes, um, that has shifted. But you're right. If you are auto-enrolled and you're not paying attention, um, you really are not in control of how your funds are being invested. Yeah. You know, I mean, typically there's a model that you might get put in or some other conservative default. But the reality is everyone should pay attention if you are auto-enrolled, yes. Yeah. Um, the second thing that, that's in this law, and I think they're actually I'll just combine two pieces. There's something called a modified credit if you're a small company. So if small companies are basically, they considered 50 or fewer employees. And there's there was a credit you would receive. Um, when you set up a retirement plan, there's often some initial upfront expenses. So those expenses are typically deductible. But in addition, there was just kind of an encouragement that came with the original SECURE Act basically as a 50% tax credit for the startup costs. And what they did was they increased that to 100%. Mm. Um, so they're just they're trying to create additional incentives for smaller companies um, where typically there are not as many companies, not as many of those companies offer 401ks or other retirement plans to do it. And they're trying to do it with some enticements like these credits. You think it's going to work? I, 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 I'm happy they're trying. And yeah. I do think that I, I believe more employers should offer it. And I can tell you from experience that a lot of employers don't because of the, uh, it's complicated, it's expensive. And yeah. so to some extent by making it less expensive or even you know, offering credits, it, it might encourage some employers to do it. Yes. All right. Well, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. All right. The, the other thing is um, they, they had something called a, they were setting up something called a savers match. So what they're really trying to do is encourage um, employees who are in this case. There's if you're married filing jointly between, and you're making between forty-one thousand and seventy-one thousand. So you would consider that kind of in the lower income brackets. They're trying to encourage them uh, by basically making they had what they call a non-refundable credit. They would basically give you a, cre- a tax credit for fifty percent of whatever you contributed into a plan. And what they've done now is they've said. Uh, in order to encourage more retirement contributions, they they kept the fifty percent credit, but they're now they're requiring that it go into the re, your retirement plan. So, for example, if you're 
making $50,000 and you, you put in 5% into the 401k or 2,500 dollars, there'll be a 50% credit matched also deposited into your account. And again, we're waiting for the IRS guideline as far as how this actually works. But what they're finding is that people really weren't participating and they're hoping that by putting it into the retirement plan, they'll encourage more people to do it. Yeah. Okay. Sounds, yeah. I mean, that, again, all these little steps going in the right direction lead to pretty good things. Yeah, exactly. And there's also, um, and Eric, I never asked you, I should, but are you over 50? Oh, Tim, <laughs> I'm close, man. I'm, I'm not that my wife would tell you that I'm, I'm like walking around here like a 60 year old, but no, I, I'm 48 currently, Tim. Okay. So if you're 50 or older at some point in the future, right, in addition to the regular limits that you can put into a 401k or a simple plan or a SEP plan, there's a catch-up provision. So I'm over 50. I'm not going to tell you how much over. Barely. Um, and I could put an additional $6,500 currently. And what they've done is they've increased that to up to $10,000. So what they're trying to do, our experience is that like oftentimes I'll meet with a client and they'll say, you know, based on my, our ages, where we're at. You know, how, how are we? Are we ahead of the game? Are we behind the game relative to where we should be? And what we find and what statistics or reports will show is that most people will start really maxing out or accumulated in their 50s. That's really where they start to pile in more money. Because prior to that, maybe they bought a house, they're paying mm -hmm. it, they're fixing it. Maybe they had children, um, they're paying for college. Things just those expenses go away. And we find that they back a lot of people backloaded. So what they're trying to do is encourage more people with this catch-up provision to put more in. And I and I think one of the things they always talk about is, you know, trying to put less stress on Social Security and encourage more people to accumulate their own funds to supplement whatever Social Security will provide. Yeah. So I think that'll be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody who's had kids know that they're very expensive. <laughs> Oh, yeah. and, and and trying to build your career takes time. And just like you said, you've got a house payment, you've got all these different things. And once you get into those fifties, I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Maybe, maybe, maybe things will slow down a little bit. <laughs> the money going yeah, out will slow down. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe <Yeah. laughs> we'll see. This next one I think is really pretty neat. I will say though, that I have no idea how they're going to do it. Um, and again, the IRS guidance will be important, but one of the changes in the law that they made was, uh, well, first of all, let's talk about the problem. So I have a number of, I have one client in particular where they have a lot of educated professionals who are their employees. So they're a lot of times they're master's degrees, sometimes PhDs. It's in the mental health career, uh, mental health industry. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they oftentimes have lots of student loans and because it's really expensive to get those advanced degrees. And so when they're coming out and they're starting to work, oftentimes they're not contributing to the 401k or other retirement plans because they're, you know, they're burdened with the student debt payments. So yeah. one of the things that this law says is that a company can, so oftentimes when you contribute to a 401k, that's called an elective deferral, your contribution, the company will match it. They're saying now that employers can make matching contributions against qualified student loan payments. So these student loan payments are not going into the 401k, but if let's say you contribute that you make $5,000 in payments over the course of a year, what they're saying is that if em employers can create a, a matching contribution into the 401k based on those uh, student loan payments. So really, yeah, the employee 
can continue to focus on paying down debt. And at the same time, for companies that participate, the company can you know make these matching contributions and also help the employee really start strong with their retirement plan. That's huge. I, I've never it, I've never even heard of anything like that. I know that, this this is actually really creative and really unique. And I, I'm sure there's going to be verification processes and things like that because the government does have the information about the student loans typically also. So I think it's really interesting, creative, and a great idea because in our experience, we have so many people in so many different professions come out with a lot of student loans and it doesn't inhibit them or prevent them from contributing to the retirement plans. And I think this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, with, with all the student loan forgiveness stuff that we've been hearing in the media and the news and the blocking it and charging forward with it and all who knows what's going to happen with that, but to, to create an incentive like this, I think it's brilliant. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I do too. I really think that's going to go a long way towards really helping that, you know, the younger generation really start saving faster than they would mm -hmm. have. I think it's great. Yeah. There's also one small provision in there that I just wanted to mention, because I think it's one of these things where originally I'm sure they had good intentions for making this law, but it, the, the law was that if you wanted to like provide gift cards or small gifts or other incentives to your employees to participate it, you, they didn't allow it. I mean, they literally said you can't do it, which just seems crazy. And I'm sure there was some logic behind it, but they changed it to say, look, if you want to offer small incentives, gift cards, things like that to your employees who participate, it's allowed. And um, it, so it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense that they never, they disallowed it, but I think it's a great idea. Cause I will tell you that when we are doing enrollment meetings with clients, um, we do these actually weekly. There's, I think those types of incentives would get pe more people to the meeting and more people to participate. Uh, it's just, it's just human nature. Okay. So, so break this down for me. I'm, I'm confused. What do you mean a gift card? Like how does well, that let's work? Say, let, let's say you said to the, your employees, it doesn't have to be a gift card. It's just an example, but let's say you said, look, if you enroll in the 401k, come to this meeting and enroll, we'll send you a certificate uh, for dinner, okay. you know, something like that. That was illegal up until the new law change. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> yeah, it, it's odd, you know, but I just think, so part of the law is just correcting things that are like, okay, that didn't make sense. I'm not sure why we did it, but let's just change it and encourage more people to participate. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Yeah. Could you have your open enrollment in a steakhouse and have dinner while you talk about enrolling or was that like bending the rules? I'm, I'm always I, trying to manipulate something, Tim. I'm no, telling you right I think, now. I think that would have been the gray area. Yeah. So, <laughs> as long so, as the IRS yeah. didn't show up to the dinner, you're fine, right? Something like that. I mean, yeah, we, we bring in cookies and treats to these meetings, but how much I, did you I spend think, on the cookies? <laughs> exactly. But, it, you know, we're providing cookies and treats for a group meeting. But I think if, if someone said, Eric, here's a certificate for you and your wife to go out to dinner if you just, if you come to this meeting and enroll, yeah. I think that's going to have more impact. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Come to the meeting, sign up and then take your wife out for dinner. Exactly. Love it. And then the final one I wanted to talk about that impacts um, employer retirement plans is you're probably familiar with the traditional 401k pension profit sharing. A lot of smaller companies um, have hesitated to set those up because they're expensive to administer. And uh, so one of the alternatives, there's something called a SEP SEP. Um, there's also these uh, simple S-I-M-P-L-E plans. And so they they made some tweaks to the simple plans to try and encourage 
more companies to offer them and also to give a little more flexibility if companies offering them want to make larger contributions. So right right now, under the current law, <clears throat> before this law passed, if you have 100 or, few, 100 or fewer employees, you could set up a simple plan. And it's just less expensive, easier than a 401k. And what would happen is you'd be required to make a matching contribution on the first 3% that your employees would put in, or you could just elect to put a flat 2% in for everybody but you were not allowed to make any profit sharing. If you compare mm. that to a 401k, for example, you could match the first 3% in a 401k, but over and above that, if you wanted to, you had a good year, you wanted to share that with your employees, you could make a profit sharing contribution to the plan, but the simple did not allow it. So what they did was they increased the the elective deferrals, the, the amount you could contribute under a simple, but then they also said for for. for Companies that have 26 or 100, I'm not sure how they determine that, or you know, employees, so they, they kind of carved out the 25 or fewer and kept it the same. But what they said was that you can now make up to 10% profit-sharing contributions um, if you wanted to. So I'll just give you an example. When, when we work with a client, a company who wants to set up a plan, we do a, a formal analysis of all the different types of plans available. And we give them the pros and cons and the cost of each. Oftentimes, they look at the simple and they like it because it's it's a way to a, provide a benefit to their employees. It doesn't cost them a lot. They're not committing to putting a great deal into it. But the problem is if they want to do more, they just weren't allowed to. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a nice feature that doesn't mandate it, but gives p companies the flexibility to do a profit sharing in a simple if they wanted to. Yeah, well, that's good. Again, the more of these things that, that a company can stack up, the the better odds that they'll get better employees or retain the employees that they really want to keep. Exactly. I mean, that, that's really what it's all about. We, we've had an, a number of podcasts where, you know, when you're building and growing a business, there's a lot of ways to make the business worth more. And one of the ways you do it is make the business not relying just on you. So this can't be all about Eric, right? You want to have some, I'll be able to outsource things or attract and retain people who can do the things you, you were doing. And one of the ways you do that is you give them competitive compensation, but also you try to reward them with long-term retirement benefits like these. So I do think that, you know, Congress with the Secure Act 2.0, they really were trying to tweak and, and update and, and hopefully enhance the benefits that, that are available uh, that, that companies can offer their people. Fantastic. Anything else we need to cover today? No, that, that's it. I just wanted to cover, again, the IRS will be coming out with more guidance, they call it. Follow us or keep up with us on social media because we will release that, I, that guidance as it comes out. But I just wanted to quickly cover some of the key areas because it just happened when we were all celebrating the holidays and you're going to start reading about it. So reach out to me if, um, if anyone needs more information, but this is what we know so far. All right. And how do they reach out to you? You could always call me at 219-531-4941 or send an email to tscanell at hightoweradvisors.com. And we'll try to work with you to come up with an analysis to show, you know, what's the best options to offer for your employees. All right. Absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. And of course, listening audience, remember, this is only part one. There, there's a part two that is going to Tim's going to talk about individuals and families, how this is going to affect you just away from the, the business side of things. You got business today. Next podcast is going to be about individuals and families, right? That's right. 
All right. Just want to make sure I'm, I'm correct on that. No, thank you, Tim. You're spot on, Eric, as always. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Can you call my wife later and tell her I got something right today? <laughs> sure. I appreciate that. All right. Again, Tim, thank you. And, of course, our last thank you goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wall Street Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Associates, LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Great Lakes and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates, make no representations or warranties express or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. Hightower Great Lakes and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material is not intended or written to provide and should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity's specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and be subject to change. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions.